0: tonight. We're going to start out by singing. Uh, I'll, I'll take a poll. How many of you know, how many of you guys know, a pilgrim was I in a one dream, right? You know that song? Uh-huh. Okay, well, that's what we're going to start with. So let's stand and we'll sing it out together. Psalm yeah, twenty yeah. three. Oh, okay. Yes. It's Psalm twenty three. Okay, well, we all know what Psalm twenty three is, right? Pastor could probably quote it starting at verse, as long as he starts at verse one, right? Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right.
1: Okay. All right.
0: What? Yes, it does say that. Eh? Okay, I got it. All right, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my hill with the oil my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. He helps us, right? He encourages us. He guides us. He cares for us. It's good. All right, let's go to the next one. All right, Passion for Thee. Maybe less of you know this song than the one we just did, but it's been yeah. kind of a wild circle for a little while now. So, all right, let's sing it together. Mother was involved in like penning the words of this song, and his mother encouraged him with these words, and then he put it to music, and he sang a solo in church with this song, and he said, "This is my testimony tonight," and that right there kind of is a is a piercing thing because are you really is that really in your heart? Do you really want Jesus more than anything? And you sing that song and it comes from your heart and you have meaning in it. And that that challenges you, doesn't it? Because what do you really want? Do you really want Jesus more than anything else in the world? So let's sing that second verse. Amen.
1: Good loud one. Do you guys remember when uh, we used that song as our hymn of the month and Pastor Andrew actually played George Shea playing or singing it for us. So uh, he died at the age of 104 years. Yes, exactly. So uh, born in 1909, died in 2013. And uh, so anyway, uh, that was just an interesting thing. So mon- Sunday night, you probably saw it on Facebook, but John... McAuswitz um, and his wife, Charity, and his daughter, Grace, and Dulce... Sister, what did I say? Daughter? His sister, Grace, and, uh, and Dulce were all going home from church. And down at County Line Road, uh, Combs Road cuts across it, and Combs Road has to stop. County Line doesn't. And so John, was, John and them were on County Line Road... And the church van from Greenwood Bible Baptist driver, who was Burmese, thought it was a four-way stop and came across, clipped them, and they flipped upside down. They're all here tonight. I picked them up, took them home. We went to McDonald's on the way home, and I made them eat McDonald's and take some ibuprofen because I said, you're going to be sore in the morning. But honestly, and I told them they'd be bruised where the uh, seat belts were. They're not bruised. They're here. Uh, one of the girls said my neck. My neck gave me some fits the next day. That was Grace. Uh, but other than that, honestly, they're all absolutely fine. Uh, car's not, of course, but they're all absolutely fine. So uh, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those times. As a pastor, you're like, you know, this this could be really, really ugly. And uh, so, anyway, just. Uh, so the, the church van, you'll be glad to know, wasn't hurt at all. So um, we might want to pause what I'm about to say online at this point since we're talking about other things here. Uh, Thank you, I just didn't want to say everything like that online, but anyway, so they're all fine, and you can see them here tonight, so just to let you know, it was a a blessing, and a couple churches got the chance to fellowship out (laughs) alongside the highway, so (laughs) not that I'm suggesting anybody else do that again, but anyway, that was it. So we're going to continue our study of Side by Side, and just to let you know, um, a few of you have asked, you know, hey pastor, the stuff happening in Israel, do you think we ought to do a study and we're going to interrupt everything we're doing on Wednesday nights and do that. I talked to Captain Bly and he and I are going to kind of team up. He really knows the, the uh, Islamic side of this whole story much better. Uh, if you know his story, I'll tell it to you real quickly if I can get it in a nutshell, but basically he was working uh, at the Pentagon when 9-11 happened. I don't know if he was actually at the Pentagon that day, but he was working his, his job, took him to the Pentagon. And uh, so the president didn't know much about... Islam and uh, all of a sudden it's like we need to find out some things and somebody you know this is just how the lord works somebody says well I know a guy uh, he was a navy captain at the time and says so, I know a guy who's a christian and I think he has been to Bible college and he can he can help us out and so the president bush you know commissioned him to do a study so that they could figure out what the enemy's like and uh, so he's got that that's that's kind of where that part goes and so uh, we'll We'll kind of tag team. So years ago, we did a um, a study by Joel Rosenberg, uh, who, who is a saved Jew, uh, and he has a book called Epicenter, and it asks the question, you know, why is the Middle East, for thousands of years, the epicenter of all of the of the Earth's history? You know, why why is the Middle East so important to every generation? It seems, uh, you know, uh, in the in millennia, and uh, so. Uh, you know, it's a very, it's it's written from a different perspective. And I'm going to tell you, up front, from a doctrinal perspective, Joel Rosenberg is not a pre-tribulation list, okay? We believe that the Bible teaches that we won't, we're not going to be here. So, first thing we want to do is eliminate all of your fears, because we're not going to be here. Read Revelation 4 carefully, and you'll notice that the church is gone, and and everything that, uh, that that John describes in the book of the Revelation from chapter 4 on, he's describing from heaven. And, and it's an interesting perspective. But anyway, um, but ha- having said that, Joel Rosenberg has a unique understanding because he of his background of being a, a Jew. And so um, it's a good book. Uh, so we're going to kind of use that as a jumping point. It won't be the only book that we ever reference, but we'll use that as a jumping point. So uh, Captain Bly and I are going to tag team for a few weeks. So after next week, I'm going to finish this study next week, get the books in, and then just so you know, this is what we're going to do on Wednesdays. For those of you who are in Iwana and things like that, uh, there's this wonderful thing called the internet, and you can go back and watch it. So, you know, that's all I'm going to tell you. But uh, you'll enjoy, I think, the study, and so uh, we'll, and it gives us a chance to kind of get it together. But the, first, the, only, the main thing I want to tell you is, you know, don't worry, right? Uh, we're we're not in a situation where God has not given us the spirit of fear no matter what's going on in the world, right? God doesn't give us that spirit of fear. So uh, let's just put our fears aside. Let's trust the Lord and watch God's word unfold before our eyes. You know, that's what we get a chance to do sometimes. I have no idea if this is, you know, when you speculate times, you get yourself in trouble. Um, Most of, well, a good half of you have lived long enough to watch Jack Van Impey rise and disappear. Nobody even knows who he is nowadays, you know. But, uh, you know, he was certain of a, several different dates that the Lord was going to come back. And those dates have come and gone, And right? We don't speculate. That doesn't make sense. Uh, you, know, you know my perspective. I'll give it to you one more time, and then we'll get to this study. My perspective is what I believe is biblical. Here's what the Bible says. In such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh." So my perspective is the most likely time for the Lord to come back is in the next 60 minutes, right? It's in such an hour as you think not? and not a one of us in this room think that this is the hour or we'd be doing things differently. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality, right? We really don't believe it's the next 60 seconds, or 60 minutes, I mean, so that makes this the most likely hour for him to come back. I, you know, if we lived that way, it would change the way we live, right? So, all right. So, side by side is a study of, you know, the concept of, of this. God has made us so that we are dependent people. We need help. Uh, so, uh, since we have some in here that are normally in wana and things, so I'm going to just kind of tell you what the premise of the book is. So, the idea is that God made created man. So God created and he said, "This is good, this is good, this is good. God created man and said, this is very good. And then the next thing he says about man is, it is not good that man should be alone. Right? And that's, next thing he says, I mean in, not necessarily the next line, but you know it's the next thing he points out about man. And so it's very good, but it's not good that man, God made us to be dependent. Ultimately, we're dependent to depend upon him, right? That's the ultimate. He made us to be dependent. So we all, we all come into this room tonight in need, every one of us, in need of somebody to help, and God has provided that help through his Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, and through the church. The people sitting around you, God gave you on purpose so that you can have some encouragement, some, somebody to come alongside, ye who are spiritual, restore, somebody to come alongside and encourage and comfort and all those things. So, um, So that was the first half of the book. The second half of the book is that God, if God intends us to come into church and find help, he also intends for us to come into church and be the help, right? So the second part of the book is how do I become the help? And we're on the second part of the book, so those of you who are kind of jumping in, in the middle of all of this, that's where we are. We're near the end of the book. We're just about done, and uh, so uh, we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll jump into the study. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to grow together, to be. To, as iron sharpens iron, just touch one another's lives and sharpen encourage and lift up. Pray that you would help us to to take seriously the responsibility you've given us as a body uh, to uh, fitly join together and do our part. And uh, we just pray that you would uh, strengthen us through that, and we'll praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this part of the book is a very, very practical side. I mean, this is like, let's get to the nitty-gritty on the practical side. So here... Here we go. Not only do we need help, but we need to be helped. So becoming a good helper, we remember these are the things we've already studied. We have the Holy Spirit of God, right? The Spirit of God is in us, empowering us to do this. You say, Pastor John, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Okay, so what's that got to do with what you're called to do? I don't, what, what, what would you say if I, if, you, if I said, I don't feel comfortable sharing the gospel with lost people? <laughs> yeah, get right. Would you say, that doesn't matter, Pastor John. You're still supposed to do it. Your comfort level isn't the important part of this equation, right? We're called by God to do it. Same way here. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do these things. We are to move toward it, not away from it. Not shy Move toward one another, greet one another. We, we've talked about that. Have thoughtful conversations. We've talked about this. See the good. We're talking about, <clears throat> we're talking about uh, not necessarily seeing, because in us lies no good thing. We know, right? But we're talking about uh, you know, situations where everybody, Everybody has someone in their lives that's like, that's not my favorite person. And I'll be the one to say it. There are people in our church, and you come in, you're like, they're not my favorite person. (laughs) It's just the nature of the beast, right? Some people like yellow, some people like green, some people like blue, some people like red, some people like black, it's just the way it is. And so, not everybody is like, oh, wow, I could spend hours with this person, but our job is to walk toward those, to see the good, to focus on the the positive aspects, and to enjoy one another. Walk together, tell stories. We talked about that uh, last week. Today we're talking about having compassion during trouble and learning how to pray for one another. So that's what we're going to do, is talk about how we can develop compassion. And so that's really what we're trying to get to. It's the practical side. We're going to talk about practical exercises that we can do that will lead us toward becoming compassionate toward, sometimes toward people that we don't necessarily always like. In Romans chapter twelve, it says, "What are we supposed to do to those who curse us?" Well, bless them, bless those who curse us, pray for them who despitefully used us. I mean, right? So we got to figure out how to get over our little hurdle of, okay, this isn't exactly what I like. And so we do that by, by walking toward that which brings us to compassion. So that's what we're going to do is literally make this very practical And how can we move toward being compassionate people even if the compassion isn't always strongly felt. Right? Because sometimes some people that you work with, whatever, you're just like, oh, here they come again. Yes. Here they come again, so I'm going to focus on the good things that I can enjoy about them, and I'm going to move toward them so that compassion can become something that I develop. So developing compassion is the this is some of the stuff we've already covered, but we're going to cover it in a little more detail tonight to, to put the meat on it. So we talked about greeting people, right? We've talked about that, having short but meaningful conversations. That's what we do for visitors. So we've had visitors here that are now talking to me about, may I say... Talking about joining the church, so praise the Lord, you know. So you did you did a good job. We have visitors over here. They're not looking for a church. They're just here tonight because their church has something else going. Their pastor went to Hawaii of all places. So I'm jealous. I, he was in my youth group. Did you know that your pastor was in my youth group some decades ago? But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, So the the idea is that uh, you know we we've got to figure out how to have those short but meaningful conversations so that we can discover, because everybody eventually will reveal in conversation what's important to them. Would you agree? If you listen to people, people talk about the things that are important to them. That's why, by the way, getting into the habit of talking about about you to you, do you see the message that that sends? If I talk to Steve about Steve, now if I talk over here to Ms. Sharon about Steve, that's a problem, but if I talk to Steve about Steve, I'm revealing what's important to me. Do you see that? That's why why husbands, you gotta talk to your wife a lot. And you talk about your relationship, and you talk about the time you spend together, and you you do that, you know why? Because you're revealing what's important to you. If all you ever talk about is football, you're revealing what's important to you. And that can be a problem. You see, that can be a problem. And so, but, so we wanted to learn, we're trying to get over that hurdle. And, so we want to discover what's important to them. Here's, here's a reality. The most important thing to most of us, whether we like it or not, and, and the Lord's trying to, to heal us of this problem, but what's the most important thing to your pastor? Be honest. Me. <laughs> Same way with you. The most important thing to you is you, you know. All you have to, to prove that, all you have to do is make somebody uncomfortable. You know, turn the heat up a little bit, uh, you know, have them sitting someplace that's too crowded, whatever. Make somebody feel uncomfortable, and all of a sudden it becomes very obvious that we're, we're very important to each other, to, to ourselves, right? And so uh, I, I, I was trying to remember this morning, I was going to look this up this afternoon, so somebody can look this up for me, but somebody said something along this line. The sweetest sound to any ear is what? Their own name. Their own name. People love to hear their name. People love to hear their name. And uh, so that's why it's important to, it's just true, right? And so, uh, but we learn what's important. Then Then we pray for them. We pray for them with the knowledge that we have. We've had short but meaningful conversations. We know what's important to them so we can pray. And this is, what we're doing is we're beginning a relationship with this person. We're moving it from, oh yes, I know their name and I see them occasionally to a relationship status, which we must do as a church to accomplish what God has called us to do for one another. Because we come in needy and we come in called by God to be helpers. So that requires that we get beyond the little scratching the surface stuff, right? So we start with scratching the surface. We talk a little bit, we find out things that are important, and that's how that guides us in our prayer for them. Then we, then we focus on, I'm going to see the good in that person. They're not my favorite person on the planet, but I'm going to focus on the things that I do like about them. I'm going to learn to like them, and I'm going to learn to start enjoying being with them, right? And then, we, then that turns into longer conversations. It's not just the short snippets, but it becomes longer conversations. Now, all of this, by the way, is helping me to develop compassion toward this person. And then with the longer conversations and now the things that I've, the other things that I've learned about them, my prayer for them changes, and it magnifies. Now you say, Pastor John, I, I can't keep up with all of these people. You're right. I, I, I'm sure that that's difficult and if not impossible for every one of us to do here. So what do you do? Well, I'm suggesting that you break out of the little mold of the... Seven people that you always talk to, and find somebody else to add into this mix and start this process with them. I don't really know them that much, Pastor. Well, have short but meaningful conversations. Find out what's important to them. Begin to pray for them. And learn how to like them, have longer conversations, now pray for them with with greater capacity, right? So that's that's going to start this process of. Being able to have compassion, you're going to move toward people. So, compassion by definition uh, carries with it some things. Empathy. What is empathy? Somebody give me a good definition for empathy. Feeling what they're feeling, right? Some people would say walking in somebody's shoes, putting yourself in their place. Uh, Sympathy is is I feel sorry for, and that's fine. We can have sympathy, but empathy is to put things into the perspective of, I want to kind of, as best I can, right? We know that we can't literally do this, but as best we can, we imagine ourselves where they are, and we allow, you know, ourselves to begin to feel what they might feel. What this helps us do, by the way, because the book goes into, uh, spends a whole page on on what not to say. Because there's a lot of times we stumble over ourselves when we're trying to help somebody, you know, and we say the wrong things. Um, I'm a believer that I would rather you say the wrong thing than to say nothing. Nothing's a cop-out, and nothing almost always accomplishes nothing, (laughs) right? So rather than just, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, I'm going to say the wrong thing, I'd rather you say the wrong thing. But, but if, we, if we empathize, we put ourselves in their shoes, it will help us not to say the wrong thing because now we're feeling how they feel and we might be able to understand how what I'm about to say would sound to them if I were saying it to them. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 12:15: Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Guess what? This concept of empathy is a biblical mandate for the church. We're supposed to do this, right? This doesn't say pastors rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. It's talking to the church at Rome. It's like, hey, this is what Christianity looks like. Christianity takes that next step into someone's life to empathize and to to put yourself in their place. I'll bring up the example they're over in the other class, but we'll talk about them. They can go back and watch it. I don't really care. So, you know, so uh, John and Charity. They they just turned their car upside down, right? Uh, their car is no longer drivable. Now we can say praise the Lord, and we focus on all that, and that is a wonderful because they were that could have been a disaster, right? But there's still a lot of things they have to deal with. I mean, a lot of things they have to deal with, right? So, uh, <coughs> it's not merely enough to say praise the Lord as if if we ourselves into their place. Now, I'm telling you that the church is taking good care of them, right? So, you know, we will hope that all of that works out. Uh, you know, that's still not much for a car, but we'll still hope, you know, the, all this work. They just got married in August. Welcome to the ministry, right? I was <laughs> like, yikes. Uh, so these kids are, you know, it's that kind of a thing, but uh, we need to approach it with empathy, uh, rejoicing within the rejoice and weeping within the weep. In in compassion, compassion demands some action on our part. We need to remember. Uh, I was kind of cut to the core two weeks ago or a week ago, Sunday, when um, the Sloan family came up and said, Hey, Pastor John, can we sing Dad's favorite song today? Because this marks three years of when he had passed. You know what I didn't remember? That that marked three years of when he had passed. Now I can't remember the day that everybody passes, but let's be honest. From the history of our church standpoint, Bill Sloan is not just anybody, right? The church he started a church, so it it was a big deal. I I should have I should have put that as an alert on my calendar. We have these wonderful things on my on, we have phones we carry. Right? I should have remembered that. And it would imagine what it would have meant to them if I went to them and said, hey. Can we sing your dad's special song today instead of the other way around? No, we did it, and we honored Brother Bill, and they loved it, and you know they weren't offended, you know. Uh, but do you see when when we empathize, when we when we put ourselves in into that category, it changes the way we do. And one of the things that compassion kind of demands of us is to remember. Um, you know, probably all of you know somebody, probably somebody in your family. Who was always really good at sending out birthday cards and anniversary cards? You probably had, you know, Aunt Susie or Grandma Tilly or whatever, fill in the blank with whoever it is, and and they're always they were, that was back in the day, by the way, when they didn't have cell phones to remind them. You know, they had they had to rely on their memory and a calendar. You know, right? And, but do you remember how much it meant? I mean, how much? You know, by the way, you want to do something really special for a teenager. Send them snail mail. Nobody uses snail mail anymore. It's like it's like just precious. you know the only people who use it are businesses sending out junk mail and, and bills. That's the only people using the snail mail concept, right And so yeah, we can do it on Facebook. Happy birthday we can do that and Facebook's praise the Lord. It reminds us, but it reminds us of the day. It's a little too late to send out the snail mail. But you want to do something really special for somebody, just handwrite write a card. Nobody does those things anymore. It's just special. But anyway, I, I digress here. Uh, we, we pray, and uh, we, remember, we remember prayers. I'm sorry, we're remembering prayers. Like, I prayed for your, your aunt last week. How's she doing? Uh, you know, praying for the, or remembering occasions and the important things. Here's what the Bible says. Bear ye one another's burdens. you might know what the rest of that verse says? And so fulfill the law of Christ. Catch this. Literally, God says, here's why I left you here. This is how you, here's how you fulfill your purpose as a Christian. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what the Bible says. I mean, this concept is not just you know, not just something that's nice. It doesn't just build a nice congregation. It's biblical. It's what we're supposed to be doing. We've come in as needy people, and there's needy people sitting around us, and we need to reach out toward them, walk toward them in compassion. We start with empathy. We remember special occasions and, and the prayers, and then we bear one of burdens. Call, email. And this is his list. I love this because he ends it with this. Do something. Say something. Just, just anything, right? Just do something. You know somebody's hurting. We don't know what to say. We, I mean, honestly, be honest. You don't have to tell me out loud, but somebody has lost a loved one, and you don't know what to say, and you literally not, not just that you don't say anything, you avoid them because you don't know what to say. So you can you avoid them. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I don't want to say the wrong thing. So I'm not none of them. Not, not going to say anything. I'm not even going to. Put myself in that position and we we stay away from people it's not the way we're going to fulfill what God's called us to do I'm running out of time so we got to hurry uh, so then we that that compassion brings us to something praying during trouble and I love what he says here so he, he uses the let's pray now concept so somebody comes up to your church and says hey would you pray for so-and-so right and if you're like me if I say yes I will and then walk out? Do you know, you know the chances of me remembering to do that are? So the let's pray now concept is, you know, let's just get this done. By the way, in church, we, it's okay. You can pray anytime you want to in church, right? Nobody's going nobody's gonna to jump all over you for praying in church. And so, uh, but he goes on to say this. Let's pray now. And listen to this line. This is from the book. And it is, is as if the universe opens. And this two-way, two-dimensional conversation suddenly becomes three-dimensional. Everything changes because we've invited the God of the universe into this conversation in a very real way. And, and it's, what, a, what a great picture of what this does, right? Let's pray now. And it's like,
2: oh, literally,
1: as... You know, the heavens open up, and we're, we're at the throne of God together. So what was once just a two-dimensional picture, right? Just a flat page, all of a sudden is 3D, and everything, you know, it's, Do you remember? No, you don't. Does anybody remember the Song of the South besides me? The Disney movie Song of the South? It's, it's forbidden. It's verboten at this point. You're not allowed to see it because it's considered racist, but the Song of the South had Uncle Remus, and he talked about Br'er Rabbit and all that kind of stuff, right? So that was that one. One of the very first ones that they did. But it's, a, it's in black and white until all of a sudden the animation steps in. Uncle Remus begins to tell the story, and everything goes to full color, and it's like, it's just incredible. That's what happens when this two-dimensional conversation lets, becomes... 3D. And it's just phenomenal. So the example is this. Here's how you do this. Uh, and now he's making this very practical. My aunt's sick. You say, What's wrong? Her heart is not well. You say, Let's pray now. They say, Okay. Your next question is really important because this is something we, this is where we stop. This is where, this is where we miss it. How should we pray? So here's the point your aunt's 97 and her heart's giving out. How do you pray? Well, let's let's put a whole scenario together. Your answer, Christian, 97, her heart's giving out. Are we praying for healing? Not usually, right? I don't know. I mean, that that's why you're asking that person. Because the point of this is that you want, as you're praying, you want two hearts to come together, right? You want where two are agreed, the Bible teaches. This makes a difference. So Let's make sure that we're praying for the same thing. How are we going to pray? Are we asking for God to heal her? Are we asking for you know, the Lord to make her comfortable while, until he takes her? What are we, what are we praying for? Right? That way we're actually praying the same thing. And it, it makes my prayer much, and then, by the way, when I say let's pray now and heaven opens up, but then it goes on to the next step. Uh, you know, so in this particular scenario it says that God would heal her. So that that connects their hearts, but now what we want to do is connect to the heart of God, and we do that through Scripture. So now we pray Scripture to complete this connection. This gets a little bit harder because you have to do some studying from time to time, right? This is why we study to show ourselves approved. This is where the Holy Spirit reminds us of things that we don't always remember, but all of a sudden we might remember. So. You know, uh, here we are, we're, we're, you know, well, she knows the Lord, and I, I, you know, I, I think she's just, she would just rather die and go to heaven. Okay, so now we can pray, and we're going to pray the promises that God gives of heaven and the, the wonders that are there, right? So, because here's what happens. When we connect our hearts to the heart of God, we have made a prayer that God can answer Right? Remember, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So, boy, when we can connect to the Scripture, now I know that not all Scripture, you know, is uh, is given as a definite promise. But okay, so this person wants me to pray for healing, and you know, God, I don't know exactly how all of this works because I don't know what Your will is. But here's what I know, God: You said that if if someone is sick and they come and ask ask for prayer, and the the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much, that God, you'll intervene. We're asking you to do so. You've got two hearts connected. You're using Scripture to connect to the heart of God. And it changes your prayer. And all of a sudden, your prayer becomes more meaningful because we have Scripture to hang our hat on, so to speak, right? Because, you know, James says, sometimes you have not because you ask not, and sometimes you have not because you ask amiss, according to your own lusts, right? God doesn't give us just whatever we want, but when we connect to the heart of God, now, God, here's what you want. God, you want us to have joy. God, you want us to have comfort. God, you want us to have peace. Would you bring peace into this person, into your child's heart? God's like, well, of course I will. I've already promised, right? You know, we're, we're praying something that God connects to the heart of God. So, I mean, when the heavens open, now the heavens are really opening, and we're, we're able to see God begin to move. Sorry about that. So um, figuring that one out is a little harder. you gotta, you got to just keep reading. Keep reading the Word, right? The Holy Spirit of God will bring things back to you that you never thought you'd ever remember, but that's what the Holy Spirit of God does. But he does that when we've taken the time to put the Word into our hearts. So keep reading, keep reading, keep reading and to see what the Holy Spirit does with all of this. So, let's pray now. The, the universe opens, so we're praying for healing, for comfort, for faith, for everything. Compassion, then, goes the next step. Then, follow up. Hey, how's your aunt doing? Right. We prayed for her last Wednesday. How's she doing? And, and, taking that step of, you know what i found? I don't have to remind myself, so this week, uh, this weekend, Peyton got sick you know he 's a little kid he gets sick right he gets sick so they weren't at church Sunday probably didn't notice but that 's okay i 'm not offended <coughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just kidding but you know so uh, they were he didn't come to church Sunday nobody had to nobody had to remind me to check up and see how Peyton was doing isn't that amazing? you know why? because through relationship, Peyton becomes important to me. And what's important to me, I remember. It's amazing. So as we build relationship within the body, then that importance brings us to being able to follow up without the panic mode, all right? It's, you know, it's not going to be perfect. You're going to forget from time to time. But, uh, you know, just keep it. So we pray for these things. And we can. Can you, you, you can think of some verses on healing. Can you think of any verses on comfort? Any principles, then that'd be a Bible verse. Say it again. God is the God of all comfort, the Bible says. He's my refuge and a very present help in time of need. That's the God. You get the idea. So all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts bringing those back, and that's what we're praying to God. You are the God of all comforts. Would you comfort this heart? You know, and... It is amazing, you know, that it's called praise when we tell God about himself, right? Um, Psalm 139 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising, thou understandest my thought of our... Tell me something. Do you think God knows this already? Why is David telling God this? Praise. Because when David says, God, you know... Everything about me, it reminds David who he's dealing with, right? And so when we come to God and when, I don't know if I have the faith to ask this prayer, but I remember that God is the God of all comforts, of course I can ask God to comfort this family. Of course I can. And trust him to do that. You ever pray and you're like, I'm afraid to pray out loud because if I do and it doesn't happen, what does that mean about my prayers? Well, when we're praying scripture, you know, (laughs) It's, it's all about God, right? God, you're the God of all comforts. Come. And can you think of anything about faith? Any Bible principles about faith? We walk by faith and not by sight. I like the one where the guy says, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. You know, That's a, that's a great prayer sometimes, right? To, to, to call upon God for you and then follow up. So, okay, we've got to hurry up. Running out of time got to do this last thing. So then he goes into this thing. Now, I'm going to tell you honestly, I, I'm struggling a little bit. This guy is not, he's not an independent fundamental Baptist. I think I told you that. I didn't tell all of you that because you weren't here when we started the book. I, I'm not one of those guys that throws out the baby with the bathwater. I think we can learn from people, and so here we're going to learn, and we'll throw out what we don't like. The reality is, on this part, I was like, I don't know. Uh, he says... He's going to use an illustration. And the reason I struggle with it is because I'm not sure that the illustration... I like it when God says, this is an illustration. (laughs) And, And he's just simply finding these things, and yet they're an illustration. I'm going to share it with you because it is an interesting perspective to see Satan's devices. And he uses four gardens in the Bible. And we'll look at the gardens first. I'll tell you about these. So Garden of Eden, he says the garden of the wilderness... And here's his point. At one point, the whole world was Eden. You know, the whole world was lush. And the only reason we have wilderness now is because of sin, right, under the curse. So that's, he's, he says, this is the cursed garden. Gethsemane, and then the resurrection garden is the garden where the, uh, the uh, empty tomb was. And so, okay, I, I can fit those in. He goes to Eden and says, the, the Satan's device... Great device there in Eden was pride, right? Why can't I eat of this food? It's a legitimate illustration. He goes to the wilderness where, where Satan tempts Jesus and he uses the, the world, the flesh, the devil. You know, Worship me, I'll give you all this. Make this bread into stone. I mean, throw yourself off, off the cliff if you're really God. I mean, he's, he's tempting. These are the devil's devices. He uses these things. We'll skip Gethsemane for just a moment. And then uh, resurrection is unbelief. And uh, the reason of that one is because, you know, the, the disciples struggle to believe the resurrection had happened, right? At first, they literally mocked the women who said, we've seen him alive, and they go run and see, uh, see the empty tomb for themselves. Thomas later on is, like, still struggling with believing the res- resurrection. I mean, it was a—so these are the tools of Satan's devices. Gethsemane— He didn't put fear in there. I'm going to tell you, I did, all right? And this one, you might disagree with me on, and that's absolutely fine, okay? Here's what happens in Gethsemane. Jesus is under great agony, and sweat, as it were, drops of blood. And he, under this great agony, says, Father, if it's possible... Let this cup pass from me. Now, this is me. I'm telling you, I'm probably alone in this for every other pastor that you know. I I see this as Jesus' humanity struggling against his deity. He's 100% man, he's 100% God. It does, the Bible doesn't say he's never tempted. The Bible says he was tempted and didn't submit Philippians chapter 2 literally says that Jesus submitted himself became obedient to the death of the cross right he literally chose it there's a, there's a choice there he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross and there was something that was about to take place that had never taken place in in the eons of eternity past, and will never take place again, in the eons of eternity future. And it is that moment when Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And for the first time ever, the Father and the Son aren't standing together. And call it whatever you want, I'm, I put in their fear with the idea of of submitting to God's will when we don't understand it, call it whatever you want, when in his humanity was saying, if there's any other way, please, let's do the other way. He did go on to say, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Big deal, right? This is all a big deal. These are the devices that the devil uses. If he can keep us from doing what God is put us here to do, whether we're afraid of people, or whether we're drawn away by the world, or our own fleshly desires, or the devil himself's getting away, whether we have too much pride to step into somebody's life, or whether we don't believe it'll work, whatever it happens to be, here we are, we're called upon to get involved in the messy side of Christianity. Let's help those who are in need. And we do that by developing compassion, moving toward them and letting God use us. It will change your Christianity. It will. It will change your Christianity. And uh, so we encourage you to look in. So we do that, be alert, and we come to this last final phrase. How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And uh, it's a challenge, but it's a wonderful challenge that I think if you'll do it, if you just pick one person, say, Lord, help me develop compassion for that one. Walk toward them. Short conversations, but meaningful. Learn about them. Start praying. Longer conversations, more meaningful. Pray in depth. When there's an issue, when there's a burden, we come alongside, we empathize. God develops compassion. All of a sudden, we have a new friend. Not just another face at church, but a new friend. Someone who actually we enjoy being around. It's called church. It's a wonderful way to live. It is. It really is. So, Alright, I've kept you late, but you got about six minutes to pray. Anybody have a prayer request? You say, I want to share this publicly, Pastor. Otherwise, we'll break up right away. Yes, sir. Uh, a a uh, wife named Katie, and she is a and a five-year-old. Uh, and Katie, and she's in hospice? a and she has and they have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. She's in stage four cancer. They have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So, And then uh, we were laughing that uh, Steve's become the gym evangelist. But uh, you know, so he had another gym rat, can I say that? Gym rat couple that came Sunday. And so uh, just pray. I mean, honestly, it's... Amen. So... You know it's uh, it it happens you know you know how it happens? You move toward people, develop a relationship, empathize, compassion, right from church. Anybody else before we break up for Chuck Jeff Littleton. Oh yeah, thank you. Jeff Littleton was taken to the hospital today. His blood sugar was like five hundred and eighty five down to five hundred and ten, the last I heard uh, but uh um, he was in good spirits, you know. I walked in, he's like, Pastor, I love what you did with your hair. Um so you know, he's he's still Jeff, but uh just pray that they can get that under control. That's a big deal. So all right. Yes, ma'am. Keep our and we found out she's okay. So um, anyway, just keep her in follow prayer. I are uh, gonna be getting some counseling from somebody wonderful, so we're very grateful for that. <laughs> Amen Judy and Paul so pray for that as we have a chance to uh, counsel them toward getting some things right in their lives so, all right let's break up into prayer groups and when you're done dismiss yourselves.